with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. It is a Monday morning. I don't know if I would call it a winter wonderland, but it is definitely winter in Prince George. Alan Wishart in the host chair, Steve on the board. And Steve, that was a bit of a surprise over the weekend. Well, we were due. We were due. Yeah. Yeah, mid-October, basically. So, uh, and I don't think, yesterday, listening to the forecast, I thought I heard some some of the forecasts were saying 10 to 15 centimeters, and I don't think we got that much. No. no. Although it's hard to tell because it's so wet, it fluffs up. Well, the system that went through is, they left us on the outskirts. Okay. This is the outskirts of the flow that went through. Yeah. And that's the other thing, of course, is when you talk about forecasts, well, it's the forecast for Prince George region, which is a fairly large region. I don't know exactly what they mean by the Prince George. And, well, I'm sure you've seen it. The Hart, Prince George, the Bowl, and College Heights can all be having different weather at the same time. Absolutely. So, um, just, I don't think anybody needs to be reminded of this, but... Uh, Slow down a little bit when you're out on the roads today, because even coming in, I was driving slow, and there were a few times coming around corners, I could feel the wheels drifting just a little. Oh, well, you have to remember, this is really wet. Yes. And you're packing it, and it, it turns to ice. So. Yeah. And that's the thing with wet snow, more so than dry, I found, is the wet snow, as you say, tends to pack. It tends to get up inside your tire treads and take away some of their grip. So Absolutely. just take it easy. Uh, most of the main streets are bare because they had enough traffic and the temperature wasn't that cold overnight. But uh, some of the side streets can be a little bit iffy. I wonder if the tire shops are lined up. They may be, but again, as far as I know, you have to make an appointment these days to go in and get your tires changed because of COVID. So if you were, if you were lucky and had your appointment already set for today, you're laughing. You can maybe drive by and see if there's an off chance that you might be able to get in. But uh, otherwise, it's going to be interesting over the next couple of days because the temperature is supposed to get above zero for the next few days. So some of the snow will melt. It's that simple because we aren't supposed to get any more snow, I don't think, until, what was it, Thursday or Friday, I think, when I was listening to the forecast there. And even that's just a chance of flurries. And a chance of maybe a rain. Yes, and that could make life very interesting if it rains and then goes below freezing. There you go. That'll, yes. that'll happen, yeah. Oh, yeah. So just uh, take, take it, it easy, easy out there. Yeah. Um, especially if you're coming down hills. Maybe start to pump the brakes a little bit further back than you normally would to make sure. And... If need be, this was something I heard years ago. I've had to do it a couple of times, and it does seem to work. If you do find yourself starting to skid just a little bit, just steer slightly towards the curb. Use the curb as almost like a bumper to slow yourself down. The other nice thing is uh, if you've kept your speed down, you don't have to worry about climbing up onto the curb, <laughs> <laughs> which I have seen people do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's where that trick doesn't work. But uh, no, so we will have to see what happens over the next few days weather-wise. I know my mom can't figure this out. She's got a couple of trees in her backyard, and on one of them, most of the leaves are still green. So they haven't even fallen yet, and now they've got snow on them. Yeah. 
It's like my plum tree. Mm. Totally green. Yeah. Covered in snow. Just doesn't make sense. I I think, well, it's been a strange year weather-wise. Like, it's been a strange year overall. But even weather-wise, in Prince George especially, it's been a strange year. Like, we never really had much of a summer. No. We had Two a, days? We had two days of 30, maybe? Yeah. And that was it? Yeah. And then a couple of weeks ago, we had a couple of nice days in a row. But other than that, there's been a fair bit of rain, a lot of clouds, just... Um, a lot more rain. Yeah. And um, again, even in August, we were getting lows down into like below 10 degrees Celsius, which is unusual because I remember years in the past where the low would be above 20. Yeah. And, you know, I would be at home sleeping and I would be just lying right on top of the bed. And sometimes I would even have a fan on just to try to get cool enough that I could actually go to sleep. This year, most nights, I was under the covers. <laughs> under the covers and yes. going to sleep nice and easy. Yeah? Yes, without too much trouble. A um, few things coming up. The School District 57 Board of Education decided, and this makes sense because, of course, you're trying to cut down the number of meetings you absolutely have to have. They had a meeting, the regular public meeting, scheduled for October the 27th. So that's like a week from Tuesday. Well, at their last meeting, October the 13th, when they were in camera, they rescheduled that one to follow the annual inaugural meeting, which is on November the 3rd. That's where they swear everybody in, even though, they have, even though there wasn't an election. They still have to do the official swearing in of all of the trustees, and they elect the chairperson, the vice chair, and then a couple of other positions. Mm-hmm. And then when they finish that, which doesn't usually take that long, then they will just go to the regular meeting that was scheduled for, as I say, a week from Tuesday. So obviously they had looked at the agenda as far as they knew at that point for that meeting and said, yeah, there's nothing there that can't be held for a week. For a week, yeah. yeah. And then they just cut down the number of meetings they're holding. Um, so I'm trying to remember, it was a couple of weeks ago now, I think, was the last time we talked to Tim Bennett, the mm-hmm. chair, and he said... Um, at that point, some of them were getting into the school board office for the meetings. Like, they were there in person. But some of the uh, trustees weren't. Especially, and again, this is well, this is where technology is kind of nice, and they were ahead of the curve, if you will, but they had to be. They got a trustee from McKenzie and one from the uh, Valemont McBride area. Well, they were already, most of the time, I think, yeah. being on Zoom or Skype or whatever. So they didn't have to change that much when they uh, went to the virtual meetings. No. And again, now, because some of the other trustees are still at home, and I think he said even some of the um, the administrators who they get reports from are doing it they come from their office or from home. They're not coming in and delivering their reports in person. Which is right. Yeah. So again, it just uh, makes it easier all the way around. And again, then you can hold the two meetings without too much trouble. The one thing I am trying to figure out how they're going to do it is it's been a while since I had been to one of the inaugural meetings. Um, I'm pretty sure they did a secret ballot. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you do a secret ballot by Zoom? <laughs> <laughs> Unless 
unless they have like a special email address or something. Well, I was just I was just thinking that, uh, that a separate email where that the secretary or whoever's in charge of counting the ballots, it's just given to all of the trustees. And when the vote is called for, they've got like two minutes or whatever to type in the name of the person they would vote for. Mm-hmm. So it's not technically secret in terms of he sees who they're from, but it it's not a show of hands or anything. Yeah. Or they, they may decide. And again, a lot of times these positions, um, they, they're not challenged. Like one person will put their name forward and there won't be anybody else challenging them for the position. So by acclamation, you don't have to have a vote anyways. Yeah. So again, you don't have to worry about secret ballots or anything, which is kind of nice. Now, I'm thinking something else is coming up in, oh, guess what? Less than two weeks now. Halloween. Halloween. Yes. And I'm sure <clears throat> a, lot of, a lot of parents are still probably trying to figure out, okay, like, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to take the kids out into the neighborhood still? And there, some of them are also probably thinking, should I go out and buy candy? Like, are there going to be kids coming to the door this year? Well, one, a few different things have been set up, and one that's basically a citywide thing is the candy cruise on Halloween evening. Uh, I'm just looking to see if I can spot the time, and I can't on this. But they are doing, oh, there, there it is, from 4.30 to 9.30, on October 31st, they're doing a drive through event for Halloween. You bring your kids to one of, I believe it's 10 different locations around the city. Okay. And at each one, they will have, I think they were figuring four or five vendor booths set up, distance apart. And they will have volunteers at those booths. You drive by, the vendor deposits the candy in your child's bag or whatever. So it's safe distancing and everything. Then you drive to the next booth, and then you head home again. So it's fairly safe, um, fairly easy. But I mentioned this, we were talking about this last week, I think on the Wednesday show when Echo was on the production board. I said the one person who's a little bit, a little bit upset about it would be the people like my mom. She likes to be... At the door, so she can see what the little kids from the neighborhood are wearing as costumes when they come by. And there's a good chance that won't be happening this year. Well, there will be some. There will be some. There will be some. That's why, as I say, she was, I was up at her place for supper last night. And at one point she said, I still don't know what should I do about candy for Halloween. Like, I was tempted to say... Well, go out and buy a fairly good-sized bag. Make sure it's something that I enjoy. That you like. And then if the kids don't show up, hey, I'll, I'll sacrifice myself, and I'll take it off your hands. Yeah, I bet you will. But yeah. I figured she probably wouldn't go for that idea, so uh, didn't even mention it. So I'm not too sure what's going to happen there. I know there are a couple of other groups in the city who are doing basically the same sort of thing. Like, um, I know there's one being set up at some point on Halloween Day in the uh, parking lot at the Native Friendship Center. Oh, yeah. For a few hours. I think that one's in the afternoon, I believe. Because, again, that parking lot isn't used that much on the weekends. And, again, it's the same sort of thing. You just come in, you drive by, you get the candies, and then you can go home again. I think that's a good idea. Stuff like that I like, and it's something that people come up with. Um, I'm not going to say, yeah, Prince George is the only place they're doing this. I'm willing to wager just about any city Prince George's size or even probably smaller 
he's doing something along the same lines. What about the people that are making the shoots? To, I don't know. Like from their yeah. porch, they have a oh, shoot yeah. where the candy goes down the... Yeah. I think yeah. that's uh, pretty ingenious. Yeah, the, th- and the thing is, I suspect the other thing that you would see if you decided to go out driving around some of the neighborhoods on Halloween evening is you might see more places with the lights turned off. Because True. even if they're at home, they didn't go out and get candy because they were figuring the kids are going to take advantage of this stuff or they just do not want to take a chance on being within the six feet Actually, or Actually, that's a good point. I never thought yeah. of that. You're probably right. Yeah. I mean, it could happen. I'm not sure. Um, but as you were saying, I suspect there will be some parents who will say, um, yeah, we're going to go out. We've always gone out. We're going to go out. We maybe won't go to as many houses. Try and explain that to the little kid that you're not going to go to as many places to get candy as you normally do. Yeah. The other thing is so often, of course, when they're giving you the safety tips for your kids' costumes for Halloween, one of the ones they've been doing recently is don't wear a mask. So, you know, it obscures the vision and all that. Well, I think this year you're going to be wearing a mask. It's mask. It's not going to be full face mask. And this is the sort of thing where there are a number of different places that are selling masks with like different designs on them and stuff like that. Definitely, yeah. So, I've you know, seen the pumpkin ones now. Yeah. yeah, you've got pumpkin ones. I was thinking you might be able to find one where maybe it wasn't designed originally for this, but you might be able to, mod- to do it as part of your costume. Like, I'm pretty sure I've seen some that, um, like, hospital workers are using that have got, like, the red cross in a couple of different spots. Well, have your kid dress up as a doctor or a nurse and wear that mask. Perfect. They're wearing the mask, and it works with their costume just as well, so... So that, again, the Prince George Candy Cruise is what they're calling that one from 4.30 to 9.30. Uh, they got the list and the maps for where they're going to be set up at candycruise.ca. And if you would like to get on with them as either a candy donator or as one of the vendors, one of the volunteers who sits out at the places, candycruiseprincegeorge, all one word, at gmail.com. So uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing more about stuff like this as we get Closer to Halloween. Closer to Halloween. Not quite there yet. Um, I think it's just about time for us to uh, take a break. So we'll do that and be back with more after nine. In a confused and broken world, truth, hope, and light are found in the gospel of the crucified and resurrected Jesus Christ. Join us as we host Reverend Chris Gordon Sunday evenings at 8.30 for Abounding Grace Radio. Reverend Gordon delves into how all of the scriptures serve as a witness to the love and the teachings of Jesus Christ. Brought to you by Prince George Canadian Reformed Church. Don't miss Abounding Grace Radio each Sunday evening at 8.30 here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. COVID-19 has not only affected public health, but also manufacturing. The end result is a shortage of snowblowers in Canada. And with the way 2020 has been going, you know this winter is going to be harsh. Don't get caught in the cold. Stop by A&D Power Equipment today and check out their limited number of new snowblowers in stock just in time for winter. Open Monday through Saturday for the best in sales and service. A&D Power Equipment, 2218 South Nicholson. Be a part of an unforgettable, uplifting experience. The World Religions Conference invites you to celebrate their 15th anniversary. Join them for a virtual conference this evening from 6 to 7.30 and this year's discussion on contributions of religions to the world. Connect with others who share the passion to promote mutual respect and understanding at one of the largest multi-faith events of its kind in Canada. For more information or to register, visit worldreligionsconference.ca or call one 877 76 
27, 1965. Forecast from Environment Canada, mainly cloudy this morning. A mix of sun and cloud this afternoon with wind from the south at 20K, a high of 4. Tonight, partly cloudy. South winds becoming light late this evening, a low of minus 2. On Tuesday, mainly cloudy, a 40% chance of showers in the afternoon with wind from the south at 20 and a high of 3. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. And we've heard a lot the last couple of months especially, and I've done a number of interviews with sports groups who have had to file their return-to-play protocol thing with the provincial government and with their provincial groups and everything. And today we're talking with somebody who... um, is with a group that probably had to file a return to play a sort of a different format. Alison Bell from the Prince George Conservatory of Music. Good morning, Alison. Morning. So, did you guys have to do something like a return to play before you could start holding classes again? Yeah, um, we definitely had to have uh, protocols in place. Um, fortunately, we are able to rent our space from a really good, uh, organized group of people, the, the St. Andrews uh, United Church. Actually, no, it's Trinity now. They, they moved to Trin- being Trinity a couple of years ago. Um, but they, they also had their, um, their protocols in place, and because um, they, of course, uh, own the building, we were able to really work with them and and put that together in a in a really in a really good way. Yeah, so you were able to sort of piggyback with what they were already doing. Yeah, and I mean there were by this point some uh, pretty solid guidelines also mm-hmm. on how uh, um, groups like ours should should handle that. So uh, what we're doing is uh, we have contact tracing set up and we have uh, sanitizer. We're cleaning all of the frequently touched surfaces and um, just trying to maintain the um, recommended space bubble for everyone. We have lots of fairly large rooms to teach in, so we feel pretty good about it, but we're also providing online teaching options for the students who are not comfortable with that. So So now mid-March was basically when everything came to a screeching halt. How did that affect you guys? Like, did you have to sort of just say right away, okay, there's no classes until we figure out what's going on? Uh, We did take a little hiatus, but we actually were able to continue teaching just by most of our teachers being willing to switch to online lessons. And most of our students were really uh, enthusiastic to keep going and keep learning, Um, especially, you know, a lot of them are children and they weren't going to school and their other activities were canceled, so it was really nice for us to be able to provide them with something that they could still um, interact with us and focus on. So did so I'm just thinking online teaching was that something any of your instructors had done before online teaching? No, it was fully on the fly, seat of the pants. We had to figure it out basically as we went, but everybody really just was like, okay, this is the situation that we're dealing with and we want to be able to keep doing our job and providing the service to our students, so we just figured it out, and um, everybody was pretty understanding about uh, any difficulties that we had to deal with. So did you have any of your instructors come to you and say, okay, I'm more than willing to go with the online learning and everything, but with the instrument that I'm teaching, I'm just not too sure that, you know, how can I instruct them over the internet, that, you know, maybe how to, where their fingers should be and stuff like that? Um, there was there were some some little glitches like that. I mean, we did have a couple of instructors who said, you know, I'm just not set up for this, 
and I'm not comfortable doing it. So not every instructor did it, but most of us were willing to try and figure it out. I would say the biggest difficulty was for our teacher who does the uh, Music for Young Children group classes. Um, yes, <laughs> and that, that was quite difficult for her, but she figured it out, and um, the, as, as long as the parents were, uh, were you know, prepared to, to deal with that situation where you're, you know, it's obviously not the same as being group when you're doing it in a group when you're doing it from your living room, yeah. but um, everybody could still experience her teaching and move through the coursework. So most people were willing to give it a try. I'm thinking the other problem some of the parents may have had was they were used to being able to drop their child off at the conservatory for practice, and now all of a sudden that music is being, that music, using the term possibly loosely, is being held in the home. Well, I mean, <laughs> considering that our expectation is always that we provide the instruction and then you go home and do the work yeah. at home. Ah. The work happens every day at home. So hopefully that wasn't too much. I mean, maybe it means that they didn't have their regular grocery shopping time. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, the group instruction. So, again, I would think that would be a challenge for the instructor because they're prob- they were probably used to being able to go from one student to the next and just make sure that, again, their hands were in the correct position, their fingers were in the correct position, they were doing things right. And, again, they can't really do that now when it's online. Yeah, um, I think that that challenge was really, that was just as much a challenge for the private, uh, private lessons. I think mm-hmm. we all had to... Um, change the way we interact with our students a little bit. So, I mean, obviously you, you can't correct uh, a student's positioning in the same way. You have to um, use verbal cues a lot more. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I do have, uh, I have one instructor for, uh, for when she is teaching in person. She's got a little, um, a, a, a little uh, hand pointer that she got at the dollar store that she can sort of poke their wrist up into position when no. you want to, <laughs> which is quite funny for them as well. So we're, we're working around it. Oh, good. Now, um, so in terms of, again, you uh, it's a phrase I've gone to hate, but it seems to be out there, the new normal at this point. Mm-hmm. Are you back up and running with as many classes as you can? We are. Um, we have a couple of our larger group classes, and especially the, the programming that we have for babies and toddlers mm. has not been able to just go forward because that's just too difficult. Yeah. Um, but most of our groups are um, most of our groups and most of our private lessons are, are continuing as usual. We're just trying to be careful about the space and keep everything really clean. Um, we do actually even have a couple of uh, new classes that we're planning to start this year. Oh. So yeah, um, so we have um, we have a group class for adult piano beginners, mm-hmm. uh, which is really exciting. That's something we've never tried to do before. Um, and so in that case, we have we have a very large space. It's actually a performance space. It's a beautiful room. There's a grand piano in there. There's an organ in there, and we have also a couple of keyboards. So with up to four or five people in that room, everybody can actually be playing on their own instrument together and still with plenty of space for distancing. Um, so that's, that's exciting, and we're really hoping to get that class uh, filled up uh, as, as soon as possible. Our teacher is Derica Skoran, and she is really excited to get that class going. And I'm thinking the other nice thing with an instrument like the piano is um, 
the student and the teacher can both be wearing masks because you're, you don't need your mouth to play the piano. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, there's only there's a couple of instruments where that's a problem. For most of the instruments, if the students are comfortable or prefer to, to wear masks, um, the, that's completely fine. Yeah, and it just makes it a little bit easier then because, yes, you still want to observe the social distancing, but if the teacher does have to get a little bit closer for a couple of seconds, you're both wearing masks, so it should be okay. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're trying to avoid, avoid that, yeah. but, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So now, what instruments altogether, then, does the conservatory provide lessons in? So we have uh, violin, piano, flute, uh, Celtic harp, and voice. And um, we actually have, uh, we've been very lucky to get in contact with uh, the person who is doing uh, principal cello with the PGSO. She's not going to be here every week, yeah. but she is going to be available to teach on those weekends weeks when there's when there's a symphony concert. So there are three of those weeks coming up, and um, if so, if anybody would like to uh, get get into cello or get back into cello because there's been a little bit of upheaval with cello teachers mm-hmm. in Prince George the last few years, that we are able to provide something for them. Great. Okay, and she's now, very good. Yeah, Allison, we've got to go to a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk some more um, about lessons, but also about concerts at the Prince George Conservatory of Music. And we'll do Perfect. that after nine. For more efficient time management, a regular public meeting of the School District 57 Board, originally scheduled for October 27th, will instead be held following the Board's annual meeting on November 3rd. At the annual meeting, the Board will conduct an election for four positions, including chairperson and vice chairperson. The Board will then convene the regular public meeting. Once again, the next regular public meeting of the School District 57 Board will be held following the Board's annual meeting at 6 on Tuesday, November the 3rd. Two Rivers Gallery is inviting artists from across the province to submit for the tip of the iceberg, an upcoming exhibition. The work must be visual art in any media that considers the impact of climate change or proposes solutions to the problem. The solutions can be political, theoretical, or practical. For more information or to apply, visit tworiversgallery.ca. Application deadline is Monday, November 16th. The tip of the iceberg from Two Rivers Gallery, where creativity flows in the Canada Games Plaza. With community health at the forefront, Theatre Northwest is preparing for a shortened season. Instead of their usual four productions, Theatre Northwest will be presenting two shows in the late spring of 2021. The shortened season will start with a side-splitting comedy, Mum's the Word, from April 16th to May 5th, followed by the pop hits of the 50s and early 60s featured in the musical The Marvelous Wonderettes, May 21st to June 9th. Tickets and passes are available by phone or online through ticketsnorthwest.com. You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. So, Allison, the Prince George Conservatory of Music, obviously um, a lot of training going on there, but you guys are not subscribers to the those who can do, those who can't teach, obviously. You guys play some pretty good music. Yeah, uh, we're we're all pretty serious musicians ourselves. We um, many of us perform very regularly. Uh, we have three AGSO members in our faculty, and um, we enjoy doing chamber music and uh, solo repertoire as well. So we have faculty concerts. Normally, we do three every year. Mm-hmm. Um, last spring, we had to cancel our final faculty recital. We had just done our second one of the of the season when we had to shut down our our regular operations. So um, we decided this year to 
get back to doing that, but um, it is, it's a pretty big space. It's limited to a capacity of 30 people mm-hmm. who are obviously, you know, masks, contact tracing, distancing. And um, so we decided to go ahead with that, and um, we just think that it's, as much as it's nice to provide online performances, and we did a couple of those, some, some faculty did that over the summer, um, but we think it's not the same, and yeah. we think it's really important to be providing a live uh, music experience. It's an important part of what we do. So when is the next concert from the Conservatory of Music? So our first faculty concert of the season is, um, it's called French Connection, so it's chamber music um, from or related to French composers, and it's November 1st at 4 o'clock. Wow, okay. Yeah, so Sunday afternoon. Yeah. So now, and where is it? Like, you've been talking about how you've got a nice big... um, performance space and everything, but where exactly is it? Okay, <laughs> yeah, so it's 3555 Fifth Avenue, so it's really easy to find. It's on the corner of Fifth and Union. It's in the Trinity United Church, not the downtown one. <laughs> okay, so don't go downtown if you're looking for the Conservatory of Music uh, concerts. Yeah, it's, uh, near, it's, near, the, it's near the mall uh, mm. on, the, uh, on the other side of Fifth from downtown. Right. Okay, I think yeah. I know where it is, yeah. Um, so thirty people. So I'm guessing that also means you can't. You you probably shouldn't just show up at the door and figure you're going to be able to get in. No, it would be a great idea to phone our office and let our administrator know uh, how many seats you'd like to book. Huh? So um, the number for that is two five zero five six four seven four six seven. Um, or you can email us at pgconservatory at gmail dot com. Okay, makes it nice and simple, and a nice simple email address as well. Yeah. Um, is there any, would you prefer that people um, get in touch with you to get tickets for the November 1st concert by a certain date, so you guys have got an idea on how many are going to be there? It would be uh, it would be great for our peace of mind to know sort of what uh, what we can expect. So yeah, if people are interested, I think letting us know would be would be a great idea. We'd love to know that you're interested in coming, and I should let everybody know as well that it is as always. Our concerts are admission by donation because we're trying to provide a service for the community here. So everybody should be able to come and listen to music. So if you have your whole family that wants to come and you wouldn't be able to afford that if the tickets were twenty or thirty dollars. Mm-hmm. That's fine. It's important for everybody to have this opportunity. Now, I'm going to take a wild guess because, again, I have talked to a couple of different performance groups who are starting up again. There's probably no intermission in the show, though, right? No, our concert, uh, well, no, normally we don't do an intermission. Our concerts are normally about uh, 50 to 60 minutes and um, all the way through. So it's the same. Um, basically, the only difference is that we won't be serving tea and cookies afterwards. <laughs> ah, okay. And I think, if I remember correctly, you guys usually, as you say, you serve the tea and cookies, but it also gave the uh, faculty who had been playing in the concert a chance to chat with the members of the audience, so I'm guessing that's probably not going to be happening either. Oh, well, I mean, people can, I think we'll still be open to that. I'm planning to come back into the space and and, uh, give, you know, if people want to talk about the performance. I I know that that's something that people oftentimes uh, look forward to, a discussion after a recital, and that's part of the live music experience as well. So, um, yeah, I think that can still happen. So now, how long have you guys been rehearsing for this show, and how have you been doing it? Have all the rehearsals been able to be done at the uh, space? 
Um, well, not necessarily every rehearsal will take place in the performance space. Yeah. It depends what's going on. But, um, yeah, I think so far we've been able to uh, practice and prepare in, in the building. Okay. Now, how long does it take you to set up a show? Like, from beginning, from when you get the idea for a concert to when you've got all the music chosen, about how long ahead of time do you have to plan? Um, well, normally I let the faculty know uh, in the spring, uh, so around around May, what the themes will be for the upcoming season. So we actually set the I, I set the theme for this concert over a year ago, um, back in the spring of the season before last. Mm, wow. um, yeah, and because this is where we've held this over from being last year's summer oh. spring summer concert. Um, and so it's become our fall concert. So we weren't sure, but this year's a little bit different. So we weren't sure if we were going to be doing these or not. So we're, we're putting them together a little bit on the fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, I've set themes for all three of our faculty concerts, and people are starting to choose repertoire at this point for, uh, the, for the second and third ones. So normally those we are planning to hold a second concert in early February and a third concert in late May. Okay. So now with the French Connection, the one that's coming up on November the 1st, were you able to basically hold the repertoire that you had had when you originally set the concert date? Yeah, that was that's been the plan. Uh, I think there have been a few new additions, but as far as the music, the, the chamber projects, the things that we want to play together, mm-hmm. uh, it's important to book those ahead of time so that no one person ends up getting completely swamped. <laughs> yeah. Now, did you... Um, do you have to ever sort of change things based on who is and isn't going to be available? Um, that hasn't happened too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people are pretty... Uh, do you mean like change change the date of the concert, change the theme of the concert? No, I mean, um, like you had the repertoire set for what would have been the uh, spring concert, as you were saying... Did you have to make any changes because one of the people who was originally sort of booked, if you will, for that concert was saying, I can't make this one? Actually, no. Um, in, in this case, the, the change of schedule hasn't, hasn't affected anything. In fact, another, another faculty member who wasn't originally able to do it said, now I'd like to do it. Ah, <laughs> so okay. We ended up actually getting more stuff, which was really good. Okay. So that's great. So, Allison, again, when is the concert? Where is it? Okay. So November 1st at 4 o'clock, Sunday afternoon, and it is at 3555 uh, Fifth Avenue, and that's that's in the Trinity United Church on Fifth. And if people want more information or they want to book tickets for that event, how do they do it? Call us at 250-564-7467 or you can email us at pgconservatory at gmail.com or I should mention that we're also on Facebook. Look for Prince George Conservatory of Music on Facebook. I administrate that account and I check it twice a day so you can PM me and I'll get back to you. Great. Allison Bell with the Prince George Conservatory of Music, thank you very much for taking the time to bring us up to date on what's happening over there. Thanks. Okay. Okay. Go to another quick break and be back with more After 9.
The PGSO has unveiled its 50th anniversary fall season. Bring Back the Joy of Live Music includes four concerts in the new ballroom of the Prestige Treasure Cove Resort, with a 50-ticket limit at each of four concert weekend performances. A kinder concert will feature two afternoon performances on December 5th. Tickets are available online, at the PGSO office, or by phone. Full details are available at pgso.com. The Prince George Symphony Orchestra's 50th anniversary fall season. Bring back the joy of live music. The Indigenous Sport, Physical Activity and Recreation Council is in the process of developing a return to activity plan. The plan will align with the guidelines already developed by Via Sport and will adhere to the Provincial Health Officer's orders and recommendations. For now, the Council's Sport and Physical Activity Plan will focus on community participation and training rather than games and provincial competition. Updated information will be circulated when available. Meanwhile, visit iSpark.ca and follow iSpark on social media to stay up to date with their current list of programs. Summer is gone, and the Regional District reminds everyone that fall is a great time to take on some easy and effective fire-smart projects to help protect your home and property. The best place to start is the first one and a half meters immediately surrounding your home, garage, decks, and patios. The removal of all potential fuel sources from these areas will leave nothing for embers to ignite. For more great tips on how to fire-smart your home, visit firesmartbc.ca. Forecast from Environment Canada, mainly cloudy this morning, a mix of sun and cloud this afternoon with wind from the south at 20k, a high of 4. Tonight, partly cloudy. South winds becoming light late this evening, a low of minus 2. On Tuesday, mainly cloudy, a 40% chance of showers in the afternoon with wind from the south at 20 and a high of 3. Keeping you up to date on current news and events in and around Prince George, this is After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. And this next interview is one pretty event that's actually happening this evening. It's one that's happened a number of times, but usually, as so many events are in Prince George, it's been a live panel discussion. The World Religions Conference is taking place this evening, but as so often happens these days, it's going to be done virtually. One of the panelists joins us now on the phone, um, Imam Umar Khan, and I'm hoping I pronounced the name correctly. Hello, hey, good morning. Yes, Alan, uh, that was perfect. Thank you very much. Um, so now, what is the purpose of the conference in general? Like, not specifically today's conference, but this is the 15th anniversary of the conference. What is the purpose of it? Uh, so, some background about the conference mm-hmm. is that uh, it's being organized by the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. And just a quick introduction... Uh, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community um, is one of the communities within Islam. Uh, we identify ourselves as Muslims who believe in the Messiah, uh, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, and our motto is love for all, hatred for none. And the conference is being organized uh, because there's a principle in our faith in Islam uh, that, you know, there's a fundamental teaching that there is no compulsion in matters of religion. Everybody is free to choose uh, what their beliefs are. Mm-hmm. So this conference actually started, uh, you know, over a hundred years ago, mm-hmm. where our community started in a small village of Qadian in India. And the founder of our community saw that there were many Christians, there were Hindus, there were Sikhs, Muslims. Um, and sometimes, you know, the debates would get really heated and, and arguments, and uh, and he didn't like that atmosphere. So when this opportunity came along where it was proposed that representatives of different faiths should come on one platform, 
uh, and not instead of criticizing each other's faith, rather speak about the beauties of you know their teachings and share that with an audience and let the audience decide what they feel is the right way. Uh, so that's where it picked off. And for the last many, many years here in Canada, uh, our community has been doing it and it's been going extremely well and uh, it's an excellent opportunity for people to learn about different religions. And one rule that we do apply is that nobody, no speaker is allowed to speak against any other faith. Rather, they concentrate on their own teachings and the beauties of their faith through their scriptures. So basically, if you're sick and tired of the political debates where everybody keeps criticizing the other guys, this is the perfect yeah. place to come. Exactly. You put it so perfectly. Um, and since I've been attending these conferences as a child in Canada, I have seen nothing but peace and harmony and people appreciating each other's faith. So it's an excellent way to actually remove misunderstandings uh, that people may have of different religions. Now, have you found, I guess next question is, um, I believe this is the 15th anniversary of the World Religions Conference being held in Prince George. Uh, how many times have you been a participant in the conference? So I, I, I work as a, I, I serve as a missionary for our community, and as you may know, missionaries, we move around quite a mm -hmm. bit. Um, so I actually came to BC last year. Ah. So last year was my first time where we drove, you know, <laughs> the eight-hour trip from Vancouver to uh, Prince George. So that was my first visit, and uh, it, was, uh, it was actually held at one of the churches in Prince George. So that was my first experience in Prince George with this conference. And I, I have to ask, because I think it's usually held about the same time every year, what were the roads like that year? Oh, the roads were awesome. They were excellent. Okay. And um, uh, because it was my first experience driving uh, that route, uh, so it was beautiful. It was the landscape was amazing, and and Prince George, a uh, very you know comfortable, very uh, cozy feeling in Prince George. So we we admire and we still remember that trip. Uh, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, uh, the situation has come to <laughs> sitting in front of our laptops and computers. So yeah. now I don't know if you had heard about what the weather was here over the weekend, but you probably have been happy to find out that it was being done virtually because we got a good dump of snow last yesterday. Oh, okay. I had <laughs> I, I had no idea. No. So now, so who all is? Well, I guess let's let's go next with what is the theme this year? Because I know each year you guys the uh, conference has a different theme that everybody addresses. So what is this year's theme? So this year the theme is actually really interesting. I don't think I've I've heard of this topic before. Uh, the, uh, the topic is contributions of religions to the world. So all the panelists, they're going to be answering this question that what has their faith contributed to the world? Uh, you know, it could be politically, it could be education, it could be science. Uh, so I, I'm also really interested to find out. We have seven speakers, the Jewish faith, Sikh, Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, uh, the Baha'i faith, uh, so, very interesting uh, program tonight lined up. Now, um, do you know how many of the other panelists you would recognize from last year? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, there's uh, quite a few. Uh, uh, you know, there's uh, Rabbi Dr. Laura uh, for the Sikh faith, Dr. Mm -hmm. Balbinder Singh. Uh, for Christianity, it's uh, Mr. John Duncan uh, representing the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and mm -hmm. 
from another community in Christianity, Pastor Fleming. So I did have an opportunity to meet many of them last year. Uh, so this year I'll just be meeting them virtually. Yeah. So when was the topic decided on? Like how much time were you guys given to make your preparations for the uh, conference? Well, the head organizer, uh, I guess I could. I, it's safe to give him a lot of credit. Uh, his name is Mr. Rizwan Pirzada. He's a member of our community and uh, president of uh, BC Branch. Uh, he's kind of, I always make fun of him. I'm like, he's like a one-man army. He just pushes for these conferences and gets everyone together. Uh, he organizes them, and usually a few months before the event, he always lets all the speakers know that this is the topic. So we have enough time to prepare and look into it. And uh, so, yeah, usually a few months. I think this one, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but I would, if I remember correctly, at least a couple of months ago, we were told uh, the topic. Okay. Um, and um, we we're going to have to go to a quick break. But when we come back, I want to talk some more about the uh, World Religions Conference after nine. This year, BC Culture Days is an expanded cross-country virtual celebration of arts and culture. The 11th annual event is on through October 25th and will feature a newly expanded lineup of free interactive events and activities. Due to the pandemic, many of this year's events are being presented virtually or are viewable online through a digital recording. For a full list, click on the events link at culturesday.ca slash bc. BC Culture Days, on through October 25th, virtually online. This season's flu shot is now available at London Drugs. Once again this year, for every flu shot they administer, London Drugs will donate a life-saving vaccine to a child in another part of the world. To help support vaccination rates in the province while keeping patients safe, London Drugs has implemented a new appointment system. You must now book your flu shot appointment online. The new system is designed to help control patient flow. To ensure physical distancing and eliminate lineups, London Drugs will not be providing flu shots on a walk-in basis this year. The Chinese Advisory Committee of the Alzheimer's Society of B.C. has put together their first-ever telethon for Alzheimer's. This 80-minute Cantonese-language variety program will broadcast nationally November 7th on Fairchild Television. Thanks to the generosity of anonymous donors, all donations made will be matched up to $50,000. For more information, visit alzbc.org. The telethon for Alzheimer's, 7.40 p.m. Saturday, November 7th, in Cantonese on Fairchild Television. Si vous avez présenté une demande d'indemnisation pour des sévices subis dans un pensionnat indien, sachez que les dossiers de votre demande sont protégés. Ils seront détruits en septembre 2027, à moins que vous ne choisissiez de les conserver ou de les partager. Pour en savoir davantage, composez le numéro sans frais 1-877-635-2648 ou consultez le site mesdocumentsmonchoix.ca. It's after 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. So, Imam Khan, for those people who are going to take part in the World Religions Conference, and I guess what you could say is the audience this evening, what is the format going to be? Like, is there a moderator? Yes, uh, so the moderator for the uh, program is Mr. David Coleman. He's the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints uh, for Prince George. So... Uh, he will be moderating the program, and um, th there's a YouTube link. Mm -hmm. If you allow me, like maybe I could share how uh, if people are interested yeah. to watch the program. So those uh, who may be interested, uh, it's really easy. You you just search for worldreligionsconference.ca, 
Okay. Uh, it'll take you to the website, and exactly at 6 p.m. tonight, uh, there's a link, there's a little window on the left side of the webpage. You scroll down a little bit, mm-hmm. and you'll see a YouTube live link, and at 6 o'clock, the program will be live there. So worldreligionsconference.ca, and, and you just click the link there, and you'll, uh, well, you'll be watching the whole program live. It's okay. as easy as that. And so obviously then it's free to watch. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. All our events are always free. Uh, we believe in uh, these kind of things uh, should have no type of price or anything to, you know, learn about other people and their religion. So now what will the format be? Will it just be um, the moderator will introduce each speaker and they will have X number of minutes to present their part of the discussion and then it goes on to the next speaker? Right, exactly. So the tricky thing in, in these conferences is that there's so much information to share, but there's very limited time. So the time allocated for each speaker is about nine minutes. And I, I have a feeling, um, you know, in the past I've seen moderators are really strict with the time, and they have to be, right, to respect uh, so the, events don't, the event doesn't prolong too much. Uh, but it will start at 6 p.m. and around 6.20 uh it's lined up with uh, Christianity First uh, with Pastor Fleming and Baha'i with Mrs. Charlotte Weninger. Mm-hmm. And then the Hindu faith, Dr. Pranish Kumar. And then it's uh, myself representing Islam. Mm-hmm. And then Mr. John Duncan from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And then the Sikh faith, Dr. Balbinder Singh. And then in the end will be the Jewish faith, a rabbi, Dr. Laura Duhan. So that's the lineup. And... I'm not sure if there will be a question and answer session. Typically, there would be uh, in live events, but uh, let's see uh, if they have time for that. Um, And I hope they do, because that's also a very interesting part of the event, uh, if it's included. The other thing I was thinking they might be able to do, and I don't know if they would be or not, is they could possibly have people email their questions to an email address and then the moderator could pick the questions that he thinks are suitable and ask them to the panel. Yeah, that's an excellent idea. I believe Mr. Rizwan Pirzad is also listening. Mm. Uh, so I think that's a very good uh, advice for him. We'll try our best. We'll see yep. uh, what we could come up with. Uh, and uh, I'm, we'll try our best to accommodate that aspect of uh, the program also. Now, I'm thinking one thing for people who have been to the conferences in the past in Prince George that they're probably going to be quite disappointed about, but it's expected at this point, there won't be any refreshments as I think there usually are. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so interesting you bring that up because, you know, it's, uh, with the live events, that was one huge benefit is that we typically used to uh, arrange very uh, multicultural food. Uh, for example, butter chicken and, you know, Indian recipes and, you know, uh, food like that. So, it would actually, it was nice because it, that was actually the point after the event where we would all have dinner together, uh, share, you know, knowledge with each other, uh, meet new people and make new friends. So that was actually like the more, you know, you feel that bond between people of different faith and that's actually where we actually made many of our friends uh, is that dinner that we would have together. Uh, unfortunately, that is one downside of the virtual one. Uh, is that 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 will be missing. <laughs> now, when the conference was over last year, did you keep in touch with some of the other panelists during the past year just to stay in touch with them about things? Um, it, 
I'm not sure about all the panelists. I did definitely make some friends during the dinner. Um, It's usually our organizer, uh, Mr. Pirzada. He's he's always in touch (laughs) with Mm -hmm. all of them. Um, So I I did make, uh, I I was able to get, um, you know, make new friends. We exchanged contact information. Uh, if people had questions, they were welcome to email me or call me to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, uh, I, yeah, there was actually a family that actually invited us uh, for breakfast uh, before we left from Prince George. Uh, so very, you know, amazing show of hospitality. And, uh, you know, that, that was so nice of them to invite us, our whole group that had traveled from Vancouver. Uh, so that was an amazing experience. And it was because of the conference that we had had an opportunity to make new friends in Prince George. Now, when you got the um, topic, Contributions of Religions to the World, a few months ago, you obviously sat down and figured out what you wanted to talk about from the Islam point of view. Did you get in touch with any of your panelists and just make sure that you weren't repeating information, perhaps, that they were going to be using? Uh, it's, It's interesting you ask that. Actually, that... Uh, did not come to my mind because I was so focused on uh, trying to find out uh, what Islam did contribute. So I'm hoping that, you know, because we do follow different traditions and faith uh, and we have a different history, um, I'm hoping that I, I, I would be surprised if we run into a situation where uh, it's, it's similar, um, you know, uh, material. Yeah. Uh, because my focus will mainly be on what Islam contributed through Muslim scientists. Uh, what the Holy Scripture contributed, the Quran, uh, to the different principles it teaches mankind. Uh, so I'll be revolving around, you know, those areas. So now, just about at the time, Imam Khan. Um, so, Dean, how can people join in with the World Religions Conference this evening? So the, the easiest way is um, the word, there's a website worldreligionsconference.ca so that's all one world uh, one word worldreligionsconference.ca so once you go to the website uh, you scroll a bit down to the left side you'll see a live link for a YouTube uh, channel and you just click that and at 6 o'clock you'll be watching the whole event live and this, uh, the, the event is scheduled for 6 p.m. to about 7.30. So, and then there's many different guests and dignitaries that will also be participating, mm-hmm. uh, along with the panelists who will be representing their faith groups. Now, have you had the chance to participate in any conferences like this online before tonight? Yeah, just some months back, uh, and it was the holy month of Ramadan uh, in April, around April. Uh, so that was, and usually we would do an iftar dinner. As you may know, Muslims, when we break our fast, we have a dinner. So uh, we, we always used to, every year, have a special program here at our mosque in Delta, B.C., where we would invite our non-Muslim friends to join us to break dinner. And uh, that was also an amazing event where we'd you know, all eat together and socialize and make new friends. Uh, so uh, because of the pandemic, that was the first experience we had with one of our bigger events being done virtually, uh, I, I guess it still worked out in the sense that, I mean, the, the knowledge is still exchanged. Mm-hmm. It's just the social aspect is, is missing. And uh, I guess that's how things are for a little while now. 
So for you at least, it might be a little bit easier this evening because you've already been through one of these where you're not sitting at the same table with the other panelists. Yeah, but I will say it's a little awkward in the beginning because in in the past, like when you have people in front of you, you could read their body language yeah. and you know feel uh, you know the atmosphere in the room, the energy in the room through your audience. So over here, it's like <laughs> you have to kind of guess yeah. like how what people's reactions are, and you you make a joke and you don't know if people are laughing. <laughs> no, you so, you can see your fellow panelists and whether or not they're laughing, but you can't see the audience. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Imam Umar Khan from the Islam Faith talking about the World Religions Conference. Thank you very much for taking the time this morning. Thank you so much for inviting me, Alan. Okay. That'll about do it for uh, today's show. Just a quick update on what's happening the rest of this week. Uh, Sandra Claremont in tomorrow as usual after 9. Then I will be back Wednesday and Thursday this week. Wednesday, I will be interviewing each of the candidates from the Prince George McKenzie riding in the provincial election coming up on Saturday. And on Thursday, I will be interviewing each of the, uh, the uh, candidates from the Prince George Belmont riding. And then Friday, I believe, is our usual CBC front burner, followed by the uh, panel. But as I was saying, it starts tomorrow with Sandra Claremont, After 9. After 9 is a daily presentation of CFIS-FM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Reg Fair, and Nathan Gita, with guest producer Neil Godbu of the Prince George Citizen. Additional contributors include CBC News and the National Campus and Community Radio Association. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. This is 93.1 CFIS-FM in Prince George, proudly supported by community groups like the BC Old Time Fiddlers.